0: Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com.
1: This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go!
2: Now, here's some combination of ads.
0: Welcome in everybody, it is Monday, October 14th and we're catching you up on the latest injury news and in a little bit we'll talk about five of the biggest storylines around the National Football League including the struggling Rams offense and the uh, struggling a little bit Chiefs offense. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Today Road Tour presented by Little Caesars. Pizza for dinner tonight, how about ordering your favorite online from Little Caesars and using Pizza Portal Pickup. It's the latest, greatest and hottest way to pick up a pizza without even going to the register. All right, as always on Monday, we are joined by Dr. David Chow. You can follow him on Twitter at ProFootballDoc and go to his website, profootballdoc.com. I know a lot of people are injured out there, but Doc, I hope you're doing well. How are you today?
2: I'm doing well. Yourself?
0: I'm doing pretty well. I got some big fantasy matchups that will be decided tonight, and then I'll have a better answer to that question. But uh, thanks so much for coming on. Let's get right to it with Amari Cooper who left with a thigh bruise and gets the Eagles in a very big game this week. What are we looking at with Amari Cooper right now?
2: Well, that's that's one where I'm still trying to figure it out, but I don't see the thigh bruise uh, unless he came into the game with a thigh bruise. Coming into the game was reported as a quad strain of some sort. He only played three plays that I could see on game pass when I looked at it. He does make a catch on the second offensive play, he gets hit as he goes out of bounds, but it didn't look like a quad contusion. He was a little slow getting up. On the very next play, he doesn't make any effort to really jump off, push off his right leg to get up high because I don't think he could. And then he was out of the game. I think this is more of an aggravation of a, of a thigh or a quad strain. And if you look back at T.Y. Hilton after he took himself out of a game a few weeks ago, he ended up missing the next week. I am very iffy on Amari Cooper playing in this big Eagles matchup at this point in time, barring any new information.
0: Do you think it could be related to the foot injury he had in the preseason? You know, you always talk about compensation and things like that.
2: I don't see it as being directly related. Could there be some way where it's indirectly related? Maybe. But I think uh, the uh, injury that he has today, at least by video, is related to what he had Coming into the game, gotcha. I didn't see a new hit, which actually tends to make me think it might linger, where it may cost him next week.
0: Okay, so the good news is he has a bye in two weeks, so hopefully he could be back in three weeks at the Giants if we don't get Amari Cooper this week against the Eagles. Now James Connor left with an ankle injury, uh, Doctor Chow, and I actually didn't notice this one when it happened because I also was using Game Pass. And I was watching it on um, on condensed mode, which is amazing. For those of you who don't have that, please get Game Pass. It's great um, on NFL.com. And, uh, yeah, he's got a bye coming up. But uh, what did you see with James Conner?
2: Well, James Conner, uh, you know, late in third quarter on a short pass play and run, a dump off pass, got hit pretty good on his right quad. He truly has a quad contusion. He did not return to the game. It's sore. But. I don't see this being long-term. I think it's a thigh contusion bruise. It'll get treated. It'll get well uh, before the uh, Steelers play again. Not a big deal, especially with the bye.
0: Sorry, I said ankle. It's a quad for Connor as well. The Giants get a long week. They had the Thursday night game, and they will play uh, the Arizona Cardinals this week. Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram seems like they have a chance to play. Sterling Shepard with the concussion seems less likely that's what the reports uh, are indicating right now what kind of forecast would you give for these very important giants players
2: well very difficult to tell on concussions but sterling shepherd has a second one in 5 weeks apart so uh the uh, doctors are going to be cautious of course the giants did activate a wide receiver but the giants should get a lot healthier i mean uh, they're they you know they were missing their top two Runners and top two pass catchers against the Patriots on Thursday with Sterling Shepard down, Evan Ingram down, Saquon Barkley down, and Wayne Gallman down. Wayne Gallman's getting clear from the concussion protocol. Sterling Shepard maybe, may not be. Hard to tell yet. Saquon Barkley, I think, is finally likely to play. The two-week mark, three-week mark, those weren't likely times for him to play. From the get-go, it was a four- to six-week injury, high ankle sprain. This Sunday marks week four. As long as he has no setbacks in practice, as long as the Giants feel there's no significant injury we risk, I think there's a reasonable chance we'll see Saquon Barkley out there. And Evan Ingram, I think, is on a path to potentially play two right now. We'll we'll see. It's still early, but uh, that would be big, uh, big change from uh, the previous game.
0: And as I recall, a week ago on this show, you talked about Barkley and. I think people were getting pretty excited about him playing against the Patriots, and you were like, "Eh, I don't think so. So, you know, you've been giving us some great information. We appreciate that. Now we've got an Achilles injury in Will Disley, and we'll talk about that. But first I want to ask you about a guy who's recovered from an Achilles injury, but now he's dealing with a knee injury, and that's Emmanuel Sanders. And he gets a quick turnaround with a Thursday game against Kansas City. And I guess the reports have been fairly optimistic on Emmanuel Sanders. Do you think he'll play on Thursday?
2: Well, the report's certainly been optimistic. I go more off of video, and the video where his last play of the game didn't see a whole lot. He sort of turns back for a pass that's a little bit behind him, didn't see a whole lot. So that meshes well with the early reports that he should be okay, and uh, let's hope that he is. Uh, and, uh, you know, heck, for that Thursday game, it's looking like uh, not only will Emmanuel Sanders be okay, it's looking like uh, – uh, 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 Tyreek Hill obviously will even have more reps and continue to play, even though his first game back looked pretty good. And, of course, Sammy Watkins with his hamstring, I think is positioned to play for Thursday as well. So good news if we get all three of those wide receivers going.
0: Yeah, it definitely would. And Will and I are sure are going to debate the uh, the Chiefs offense going forward. Um, and actually, I'll ask you about Patrick Mahomes, but I did want to talk to you about Will Disley, who has the Achilles injuries, having such a great season for the Seahawks. What did you see with Will Disley?
2: Well, you know, through the uh, ProFootballDoc.com site, that's what we put up. We said, you know, Our fear is that he tore his left Achilles. It, the He ended last season with a right patella tendon, and now this is an Achilles tendon that I believe now has been confirmed, and that's what it looked like. He just changes directions, what we call eccentric load, and it pops, unfortunately, a non-contact injury. That's um, a tough injury to return from. Now, he did it very well from the patella tendon, which some would say is even harder to come back from than the, than the Achilles. So I think he can do it again, but it's just unfortunate two years in a row with, with the major tendon tears and surgery.
0: How healthy do you think Patrick Mahomes is right now?
2: Um, yeah, Depends on how you want to grade the scale, but he's mm-hmm. nowhere near 100%. You know, in the NFL, we often say 85% is a good week. And uh, Patrick Mahomes, if I have to put a number on it based on what he looks like in an ankle, um, I don't know, he's probably 75, 80%, but 75 or 80% of Patrick Mahomes is probably 100% of a lot of other people. Um, but look, he hurt it week one. And we talked about it, right? On the show, there yeah. was a high ankle week one, and, and he was limping pretty good, didn't miss any time, played reasonably well in the next few weeks, and now re-aggravated again. He's nowhere near 100%, but you know, he's nowhere near missing time either because he's such an exceptional talent.
0: As long as he doesn't have an offensive lineman stepping on his ankle, as was the case in week five, is it something that will continue to get gradually better?
2: Yeah, it's going kind to of something that's going to continue to get gradually better each week. But, uh, the worry always is uh, re-aggravation. And that's one of the worries that, you know, Saquon Barkley is going to have as he comes back from his high ankle sprain. And, you know, from what I saw of the game on Sunday, the uh, left side of the offensive line, the Chiefs did a little bit better than the previous week with the left guard down and obviously Eric Fisher, the starting left tackle, still out. The bigger concern for the Chiefs is probably their holes in the defensive line is, uh, think houston did okay on the ground against those guys dr
0: david chow joining us here and you can follow him at pro Football doc on twitter i just want to know before we let you go what's a sunday like on twitter for you are you just is every team's fan every team's fan base Asking you questions. Uh, is, is my guy gonna be all right? Is it just is hectic for you?
2: <laughs> it it can get hectic, and and that's the new effort this year. Instead of being at home on my couch and with kids, I'm actually in a war room, and there's a, about six or seven people, and you know four different big screens and eight different monitors, and so I have a lot more help to try and screen things. But it's still very hectic. I made a joke earlier on a different <laughs> uh, show that look literally that that dealt more with gambling, and I said, look, literally you could teleport me back to Sunday morning in Las Vegas, and I'm not sure I'll make money betting on the games because, (laughs) you know, I'm looking at all the injuries all the time. I'm chasing the different injuries and uh, different things. So when Baker Mayfield gets hurt, you know, that's 10, 15 minutes of looking at Baker Mayfield and not looking at anything related to the TV or the scores or anything else. So I get a general sense of the games, but sometimes it's it's harder. But that's what gives me the – the the clean sense of where the injuries are at, because that's kind of what my focus is as I look at it. And that's sort of the job in terms of providing the injury index and some of the analysis. And it's not just looking at the Baker Mayfields it's looking at the, uh, the right tackles and the left mm-hmm. tackles and the guards and the D linemen, because, you know, these cluster injuries make a, uh, make a big, big difference. I'm sure in the fantasy world for you, It's become very clear now, and everyone knows that the Eagles' defensive backfield, their secondary, especially their corners, are a little bit hampered right now throughout this whole season. But by studying it and looking at it, we kind of knew that from week one based on injuries, Hmm. not the quality of their scheme or their players, but just based on injuries, we knew that they were going to be hampered, and they have been for most of the season.
0: Wow. Well, that's why everybody needs to follow him on Twitter and go to profootballdoc.com and get all that great information. And Dr. Chow, thanks again for coming on. Thank you. Alright, Will and Chris right now. Alright, everybody. Nobody loves New York City like the guy who's been living there for five days. Chris Towers is on
3: the show today. Welcome, Chris. How you doing? You making it there? I'm I, I'm making it here, which from what I've heard from the transitive property means I can make it anywhere.
2: <laughs> At I least for six
3: days. I've heard that too. And
0: I, I, yeah, I agree. It is a, it is a great place. How you, okay. Chris just moved. He's very happy to be a New Yorker. He's already going to like a million, uh, concerts and yeah. How's it going, man? Welcome. Welcome to the Monday show. How are you?
3: It's great. I'm sorry. I had to miss last week. I was driving in a minivan with two extremely angry cats. So, (laughs) uh, it's nice to be settled in.
4: Did you drive the whole way from Florida to New York?
3: yeah yeah we've got uh, all of our stuff is somewhere in a storage unit somewhere in South Florida that it will get here at some point I was given an estimate of 2 to 14 days I'm glad to
4: see from the uh, slight lag in your video that uh, every CBS office has terrible Wi-Fi it's not like we're a media
0: <laughs> company <so. laughs> no, Jump. Actually, Good job. Beginning, yeah. beginning next week I think we're going to get Chris hooked up with a, a wonderful podcast studio but also you've heard Will everybody gets intro music today Will, you strike me as the kind of guy that would sing this song, Karaoke, at a crowded bar on a Friday night. What do you think? Uh, I, look, I, I listened to a lot of Garth Brooks growing up, so yeah, sure. Uh, I knew it. Oh, he's got a Southern, he's got a country twang to him. Okay, it's, Will. It's, well, first of all, it's an insult to call you,
4: you know what? You don't want to get into a discussion of country music with me and Chris Towers. This went poorly for you. We will go for 30 minutes talking about alt country versus real country versus pop crap country like Garth Brooks.
0: Okay. So you're right. I don't want that. Um, so Will, I, I need a big game from Aaron Jones tonight because I don't want to lose to Will in two leagues. I think it's pretty amazing that the league in which I traded to Will, uh, Will Fuller and Saquon Barkley for Mixon and Stefan Diggs, we actually played each other this week and he's still kicking the crap out of me, even though he started Fuller and I started Diggs. Uh, but that's Jared Goff for you. Uh, that but,
4: game that that week is uh that week is over. I beat you, one twenty five to ninety eight. I got MVS going tonight. Um, but yeah, I know. I, uh, I just
0: said that. I mean, well, you don't have to brag. I just said you won. Well, you
4: know, you said you said it's not going well, and no. I'm telling you that it's oh uh, uh, <laughs> okay. like, like you have no one left to play, and I'm winning. Yeah, I know you won. So if Marcus valdez Scandling fumbles fourteen
0: times, then... hey, then, all right. Yeah. Now, so you tell me, there's a chance. Uh, We have the Apple Podcast mailbag. Please leave us a nice review and a question on Apple Podcasts. We'll read your questions on the Wednesday and Saturday shows. And I'll let you know about our Facebook winner in just a bit and the new contest for this week. I got five big questions, though. I told the people on Twitter, I let you all choose the questions. I lied. I'm only letting you choose three of them because I had to choose this first one. It's uh maybe the biggest topic right now. One of the biggest in football. How concerned are we about the Rams offense? Two straight years as a top-two scoring team. They are ninth right now, uh, coming off a seven-point game against San Francisco. And it just doesn't look like the Rams' offense. Will, how concerned are you about the Rams' offense? Uh,
4: on a scale of 10, I would say uh, 14 or 11. Uh, what, no, wait, what, uh, what, no 12, because they like to run 12 personnel. So we'll say 12 out of 10 for the Rams. The biggest problem is that their offensive line has taken a massive, massive step back, and um, they no longer can run the ball the way they want to, which set up all the things they like to do off of play action, flooding guys across the field. Um, I think they're trying to overcompensate with those uh, issues on the offensive line, as well as teams walking six men into the box and, and and forcing them to to throw first, I think they're trying to overcompensate by playing a lot of these tight ends. No one is comfortable right now. And look, that game. Th- th- there's some good news and bad news here. The good, the bad news is that that game against the the 49ers showcased that this division is is changing before our very eyes. San Francisco might have the best defensive line in football. They devastated the Rams. I mean, it was in They they kicked their.
0: Can we say that? Can no, I, can I, no, you don't have. You don't have to. Just say they kicked their butts. They, they kicked, that's their, bottoms
4: they kicked their bottoms, Adam. There you go. But it was an A kicking. It deserves the A. It was an A kicking. It kicked the crap out of them. They. I mean, it was. It was. It was twenty to seven in like the, the third quarter, or like early in the fourth quarter. And when you're down thirteen points in in, in a modern NFL game, the, it should never be over. They didn't have a prayer of coming back. They couldn't move the ball at all. They had multiple drives with negative net yards. In the third quarter, they had three drives. Every single one of them went negative yards. They can't establish any sort of running game. And, yeah, I'm very concerned. The good news is they get the Falcons and the Bengals, though. So they have a little bit of get right going to the bye, at which point maybe people can try to sell high on them and just pretend that was just a 49ers thing.
3: Yeah, here's one thing that I will point out. They are using the play action less often than they did last season. They were second in the NFL uh, in percentage of play passing plays that were play action. This year, they're 12th, down to 27%, and their passer rating, Jared Goff's passer rating on play-action passes this year is 71.1, which is really bad. He has zero touchdowns, three interceptions, but I will say if you're you're looking for some positive, he's he's averaging 8.5 yards per attempt uh, on those play-action passes compared to 6.5 with no play-action, so overall, they've still been relatively efficient and certainly more efficient with the play-action. Uh, it just seems to be, you know, maybe Jared Goff making a few more mistakes than you would typically expect. I would guess the fact that they've been more efficient overall and it's just a few mistakes means that there is some room for them to turn it around. But it's also clear that things aren't working nearly as well. You know, last season they were at 10 yards per attempt with play action. So there's still been significantly worse.
0: Yeah. And we'll mention the offensive line. I'll just quote from The Athletic. The Rams' inability to develop cohesion and success along the offensive line is the biggest reason for their offensive regression and arguably the biggest reason for their 3 and 3 start. They know what they and then they continue. They know what they have in Goff, a smart, accurate quarterback who can make any throw, but also one who thrives with a clean pocket. Advanced statistics show this. Give Goff some space and a couple extra seconds and pair that with McVay's play calling and he will find someone open. Pressure him and things break down quickly, in part because Goff doesn't have a great ability to extend plays with his feet. Russell Wilson, he is not. And perhaps that's just sort of giving us a, a glimpse of what we really need to be looking at in future years with quarterbacks. The, the ones who aren't mobile, you know, they struggle. Not all of them. I mean, there's Brady and there's Breeze and whatnot. But, but and those helps.
3: guys are you know, the arguably the best quarterbacks of their generation. <laughs> yeah, basically.
0: Uh, but it, it helps helps be able to move a little bit. And it's also sometimes hard to know how much a bad offensive line is going to impact an offense. In this case, it seems to be pretty significant. So let me finish with this: Cooks, Cup, and Woods. You know, Chris, how are you going to approach them rest of season in terms of a trade value standpoint? Do you still view Cooks, Cup, and Woods? Cup still a top five wide receiver, by the way. Uh, as as must start guys and must you know like guys you really want on your team. What are you thinking?
3: I think so because I the, the two years worth of track record makes me believe that they will turn it around and be better. The fact that like Brandon Cooks especially has been so mediocre when they're ninth in scoring is really concerning uh, because there's not that much room for them to get better. Like We're talking about them like they've been a bottom 10 offense. You said they're ninth in scoring. What does it look like when they're fifth in scoring? Is that really enough to get Brandon Cooks to, who only has six targets over his last two games, I should point out. Right. Is that enough to make him someone that you're starting every single week? I don't know. I do like that they've been giving Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods more opportunities to make plays in the running game. They're trying to get the ball in their hands. I think they both had two carries yesterday. Robert Woods scored that touchdown. So that's a good sign that they're at least – making an effort to make sure that they get the ball to their playmakers. But it's it's real concerning for Brandon Cooks especially.
0: All right. Our second question, and we have a lot of questions about the Chargers as that game went on after um, after our show on Sunday night. Uh, our second question is upcoming, but I want to congratulate Matthew Altman. We asked in our Facebook group, who's your favorite fantasy player of all time? A lot of people gave some great answers about random guys that won them a week or won them a championship like Kyle Orton and Aaron Stecker. But Matthew Altman took it to another level. Calvin Johnson, he says, no question, just a stud week in and week out, battling injuries and bad quarterbacks, won me my first fantasy championship. I even named my son Calvin. That's dedication. I like that. So congratulations, Matthew Altman. You've won yourself a T-shirt and more swag given away every week. Today's uh, this week's contest: best draft day decision that you made this year. Best draft day decision. Join the fantasy football today Facebook group. All
4: Unfortunately, right. the correct answer was Billy Volek, but whatever. <laughs>
0: Everybody's got their own. I was going to give it to uh, the guy who said Victor Cruz because the ninety-nine yard touchdown against the Jets won him a championship, but I felt like that was too too gianty.
4: I actually heard uh, Greg Rosenthal say that uh, when Billy Volek did the you know with the what was the. Uh, Oh, God. Drew Bennett. do you Remember that year where they went nuts at the end of the season for the Titans and won everybody their fantasy championship? He uh, won a big high-stakes league, paid for him to visit his friend, which is where he met his
0: wife. Wow. See, that oh, would have wow. won a T-shirt. That, t- that was Absolutely. good. All right. This one is from Will, not Will Brinson. Austin Eckler, buy, sell, or hold? Will, you can answer Will's question.
4: Oh, well, I, I, I think I would probably... By because right now Austin Eckler's owner is uh is there's um, a potential for a bathroom in the pants situation because of how the the Chargers have looked the last two weeks and the uses that they've had for Austin Eckler I know he had a ton of catches last week but it's very obvious that when Melvin Gordon came back they decided to force feed him um as much as humanly possible and as a result I think the offense is out of whack I think they've gotten away from what they were great at the first four weeks, which is utilizing uh, Austin Eckler um, in the passing game, in the running game. They want to get Melvin Gordon these carries. So I think I would buy if you could get him very cheap, but I'm obviously concerned as well about the Chargers. Their offensive line has also gone to crap, and uh, they are
3: not going to be very good on offense until they fix that. Here's Here's a real concerning stat for Austin Eckler. He only ran 20 routes yesterday. Melvin Gordon ran 27. Yikes. That's, that's the I mean, opposite that's, of what you would expect from those two. I was
0: very concerned about Austin Eckler well, because he had 15 catches in week five and I don't particularly like uh, passing uh, passing uh, pass catching running backs part of me. I didn't draft any Tariq Cohen. I did draft James White because I thought he was falling to a, a, a really good range and he's been solid. He's been about 11 to 14 fantasy points in PPR every week. Um, but these guys have trouble replicating, you know, good seasons. And then you see like a 15 catch performance. It means nothing. It means nothing going forward. Because James White himself had 15 catches against the Chargers in the wildcard round. Is that the wildcard round? Yeah. Um No. Whatever it was. The first round of the playoffs. Uh James James White. And then and then he had like four and three is the next two games. It's just not a reliable thing. Melvin Gordon's going to get almost all of the rushing touchdowns, I think. He is their running back. And I just I'm not necessarily buying Austin Eckler. I think it's questionable what his value is right now because coming off this dud. So I guess the better question is like, where where do you rank him rest of the season? Would you rather have a guy like Jordan Howard? Um, the guy like, I mean, we probably take like Philip Lindsay over Eckler,
3: right? I would take Lindsay over Eckler. Yeah. but Jordan Howard is a completely different story. And you look at, like, it's hard for running backs who catch a lot of passes to replicate their production. Well, look at Jordan Howard who had this massive blow-up week five because oh, he no. got a bunch of yeah. goal-line carries.
0: I, well, we don't really like Jordan Howard that much, I assume. So who would um, you rather can have? I, can the, I ask
4: Chris a question from yeah, an
0: analytical perspective? Is what Adam just said true?
4: Because it feels false to me. What? that The pass-catching replication. Yes. Like To me, it feels more likely that a pass-catching back will replicate his success no, than a straight-up running back.
0: I, actually, it's, uh, it's been proven that uh, Rich Rebar, who who joined our show a couple weeks Lord ago. Yeah. Lord Lord Reeves, yeah. Reeves. He tweeted something out about just how rare it is for a running back that relies on pass ca- on catching passes to be a top 24 wide receiver uh, running back two years in a row or something I like that. I it's, think
3: it's like you have to catch passes to be an elite running back, but just catching passes isn't enough. I, okay. I think that's kind of the, the way it works out.
4: Well, the reality is that if you're a pass catching running back and not a guy who leans on carries is that you're dependent on game script. Like yeah. the Patriots are not going to feed James White if they're bludgeoning the dolphins in week four.
3: It's gonna James be- White is, I think he's one exception. And a big part of that is because you'll see a lot with Patriots. Like we, we think about Patriots, Patriots running game and we say, well, there's going to be a guy like Sonny Michelle who's going to get all these red zone carries. He's going to get all these touchdowns. And really there's only one season where that's been true. And a big part of that is because, when that offense is moving and James White's in and they get into the red zone, they'll just go hurry up inside of the 10. And that gives James White had five rushing touchdowns last year. That was also a big part of why he had such a good season. All
0: right. So let me just wrap it up with Eckler here. You know, who are we valuing him similarly to Where, where do you think of him as a running back at this point? What range? Well, so when I say I would buy him, I don't mean that I think he's
4: going to be good the rest of the year, but I think you can get him for nothing. Right now, like I think his owner is absolutely
0: panicking. Um, how good do you think he'll be? I think, I think, oh, go ahead, sorry,
3: 20 to 25 range in PPR, yeah, which is sort of damning with faint praise because there's only like 16 good fantasy running backs, and so the 20 to 25 range is kind of made up of 12 or 13 different guys, right? If that makes any sense,
0: and I think just to piggyback on what you were saying, like game scripts and Troubling that Melvin Gordon ran more routes. They were down 14 to nothing and he didn't yeah. have a <laughs> yes 24 to, to nothing an and they didn't have a good game. Okay, moving on. We got three more questions to get to here. Uh, first question though. Have you ordered a pizza online from Little Caesars yet? Well, if not, you're missing out on Pizza Portal Pickup. What is Pizza Portal Pickup? It's like getting a pizza right out of the oven yourself. You walk in, you enter a code on the portal, the door opens and you're off with your favorite pizza. And whatever pizza you order, it'll have crazy, crazy amounts of toppings. It's fun. Give it a try, but it's only available at Little Caesars Pizza Pizza. Well, we're going to stick with the Chargers here. Texas Bruins 67 asks, does the return of Hunter Henry hurt Keenan Allen rest of season? And I will just say real quick, they were both healthy in 2017, and Keenan Allen had 102 catches, 1,400 yards, and six touchdowns. Um, but what do you think? Does the return of Hunter Henry hurt Keenan Allen rest of season?
4: I think it helps him. Uh, teams are not going to be able to you know, double c- – you're not going to be able to just – Stick double coverage on Keenan Allen, isolate him and not worry about anybody else left on the Chargers because Mike Williams is constantly coming in and out with an injury. Uh, Eckler is clearly being, you know, on the back burner to Melvin Gordon. And I think Hunter Henry opens things up in the middle. What an outstanding game from him. But most of that, most of his production came in like full blown garbage time. I mean, it was absolute. Just the Steelers sitting back, letting the Chargers move the ball down the field, and, and he picked it up. I mean, look, I, I get that he had a huge game, and I'm pumped for him, and I want I drafted Hunter Henry a lot, and I'm excited that he's back and he's playing well. Um, but I don't think it necessarily hurts Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen was can still easily finish as a top five wide receiver, uh, but you know, I mean, he he was not going to be the uh, he was not going to have 235 targets on the season. Like he was he was yeah. due to come back to earth a little bit.
0: Yeah, Chris, first three games for Keenan Allen, he was the number one receiver, I believe, in fantasy. And the last three games have been terrible for him. Uh, what, what do you think? Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry. And I, I also want to throw in that Melvin Gordon coming back is a big deal, because Melvin Gordon, I believe, led the team in red zone targets last year. Um, so, I, I think the addition of Hunter Henry might not be so bad for Keenan Allen, but just the addition of him and Melvin Gordon, I do start to wonder what those targets are going to look like, and and what, what are you thinking, Chris?
3: Well, and Mike Williams missed some time. Yeah, it's true. Uh, during those first three games, uh, I, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what's gone wrong with Keenan Allen. You know, you look in, he's played a lot more from the slot over the last three games. He was 47.6% from the slot weeks one through three, 57.4% weeks four through six. But his target rate when coming out of the slot in those last three games has shrunk from 30% to 10%. He's not being targeted deep. He's not making plays with the ball in his hands. His average yards after catch is 3.9 in the first three games down to 2.1 over the last three. It's just kind of he's not playing as well. And Phillip Rivers isn't throwing the ball to him as much. And I'm not sure what the reason for that is. Is it? defenses have have started to shift their attention more to him. Well, if that was the case, the fact that he's playing out of the slot more, you would think that would give him more free releases and more opportunities for matchups to take advantage of, and that hasn't been the case yet. So it's not something that I can necessarily pinpoint right now except to say that it's Keenan Allen, he's really good, he's going to be a top-12 receiver moving forward because that's what the history has said.
0: Right. Yeah, it's three-game sample size. The first three games of the season, uh, Keenan Allen had... 314 yards and three touchdowns on 42 targets last three games. He has 99 yards, no touchdowns, 17 targets. And it does not have anything to do with pass attempts. Cause Phillip rivers has actually thrown the ball probably a little bit more in the last three games than he did in the first three games.
4: Yeah. I, I, I would also say to uh, Adam that when, you know, like, we got to adjust our expectations as we move along into the season and, and realize what defenses are good and what defenses are bad. And then look at game script, right? And so against the Dolphins, it shouldn't be surprising that Keenan Allen didn't have a huge game. I mean, they, I know that they, you know, it was close at halftime, but once that game was out of hand, you know, he wasn't, and they had Xavier Howard, who can shadow him and who's a pretty good cornerback. So uh, once that was out of hand, he wasn't going to get the ball. Denver, I mean, C- Chris Harris right, is right. outstanding. Uh, and then Pittsburgh, I think, as, Pittsburgh's like has a really good defense that no one is talking about. If they had a yeah. healthy defense, they'd be competing in this in this division uh, or in, the, in you know for the Super Bowl. When you look at Keenan Allen moving forward, Tennessee, Chicago, Green Bay would have me very concerned. Uh, of course, Denver again in Week 13. Jalen Ramsey doesn't look like he's coming back. They does get Oakland twice, so I think there's some potential for bigger games. But he's probably going to I mean be a little bit more methodical in his production than he was the first three weeks.
3: Okay. You wish that that second Kansas City game was. Uh, was swapped with one of those bears or, or Vikings in week 15 that you'd feel a lot better about the, the upcoming schedule. Yeah.
0: He does have some tough matchups at Tennessee, at Chicago, green Bay at Oakland, Kansas city. Uh, that's not, that's a decent stretch. Green Bay at Oakland, Kansas city. Uh, the jury's kind of out on green Bay, but they do have good corners. Then a buy then at Denver at Jacksonville, Minnesota in weeks, 13, 14, 15. Okay. So it, it just that's sort of
4: my argument for Hunter Henry. Helping him is like, Sure. You sure. can't put you can't stack too much on him against these good defenses. Like he's not going to get Xavier Rhodes and a safety over top.
0: All right, guys. So let me give you some names just real quick. Give me one word answers. Keenan Allen, rest of season, or Mike Evans? Allen. 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 Keenan Allen or Cortland Sutton? Allen. Allen. Keenan Allen or Chris Godwin?
3: Godwin? Allen.
0: Looking at that schedule, I think I'd take Godwin. (laughs) That schedule for the Chargers. All right, next next question. From Bada Bing, Bada Boom. Is Miles Sanders back on the map after Jordan Howard's disappointing performance?
3: Weird timing for this question. Miles Sanders played his season low in snap percentage this season. And I believe Jordan Howard also, not surprisingly then, played his highest. And part of that was Darren Sproles and Corey Clement are both out. I'm not sure when they're going to be back, but There's not really any sign that they want Miles Sanders to be an early down option for them. They love him in the passing game. He leads all running backs in air yards, actually, this season. They've been using him downfield a ton, and he's making big plays seemingly every week. He had, I think, 86 yards on three catches yesterday. He was awesome. But they seem to want Jordan Howard in the running game, and uh, there's not signs that that's changing yet.
4: I mean, he had a 32-yard passing or or receiving touchdown and a 45-yard reception. Like that's going to be fairly unlikely to be replicable on a week-to-week basis as in terms yeah. of being like a, a deep threat out of the backfield. He's he's actually pretty good in pass protection so I don't think he's going to lose a ton of these opportunities in the passing game. But he had three carries for 6 yards. Like they don't they don't trust right. him to be the feature back. And, I would sell high on him right now.
0: Not only that, like here's here's Miles Sanders yards per carry in six games. Granted, not a lot of carries in some of them, but 2.3, 2.8, 4.1 6.5 1.7 and 2.0 so that's four out of six games at 2.8 yards per carrier worse uh, and this also comes on the heels of of Doug Peterson saying we want to get Jordan Howard you know more featured work and it did happen. I guess I'd say if you want to be optimistic about Sanders, they're three and three they could probably use some more playmaking on offense and he is that kind of guy. but I don't think now is the time to be thinking, that Jordan Howard was so bad. Because look, Minnesota's a good run defense. Jordan Howard's so bad, they're giving it the job to Sanders. I don't know. I, right. I, weird timing for that question, I'd say. Uh, but always a good time to start playing on FanDuel. And yeah, look, I, we've had the uh, the league for four weeks now, our FFT league. And I've cashed in three of those four leagues. Oh, no, I didn't cash this week. All right, I cashed in two out of three contests. This week, I did not cash in the uh, FFT listener contest. But you can always join... I didn't do so bad, 161st out of 595. I almost cashed. I'm going to give it to myself. I'm going to say three out of four. Why not? <laughs> uh, but listen, you can join. First of all, you need to join Fanduel. Fanduel.com/slash/fft. Fanduel.com/slash/fft. And the league is is five bucks per week. And how do you get five bucks? Basically, you can get four free weeks into our contest by going to Fanduel.com/slash/fft and making a twenty dollar deposit, and you get five dollars a week. For four straight weeks. There you go. And then you can just put it right into the Fantasy Football Today listeners contest. But FanDuel is extremely fun. Um, I've been doing pretty well this year, so I'm happy to help out if you care for my advice. Uh, but I'm sure just listening to our podcast is going to give you a big edge on the competition. And that you can put that into FanDuel and you can win some money. FanDuel.com slash FFT. Make a $20 deposit. Get $5 in site credit for four straight weeks. Go to FanDuel.com slash FFT or download the FanDuel app. And our final question today comes from Will Brinson. Would you like to apologize for Will for the Chiefs thing, was the question. You know what I'm talking about. Go ahead. I don't think you were right about this. Do you? Just again, yes. Okay, you think uh, on last week's Monday show, you expressed some genuine concern about the Chiefs offense.
3: I told you you were crazy, so pretty much. I, th- I thought well, you were overreacting. What is the context? I need, this is what I need to because this is this is getting back to like the preseason Patrick Mahomes regression discussions is like when we were saying don't draft Patrick Mahomes in the first round, that's not saying he's going to be bad. So when you say you have concerns about the Chiefs offense, is it that you think they're the third best offense in the NFL? No, I don't think or that well, they're think, only like one point per game better than the second best offense? No, like what, what's the I don't I
0: think it was more severe than that, right? Will what do you
4: think? Well, what were you saying? I said that the Chiefs have a problem on their hands in that they cannot stop anybody from running the ball down their throats, maintaining the time of possession, owning the time of possession battle, yeah. forcing Patrick Mahomes and that offense with a bad ankle and a bad offensive line into spots where they have to be perfect on their possessions or else they're not going to win football games. Now, look, I know Mahomes had a nice fantasy day yesterday because he had three touchdowns. One long one to Tyree Kill was on a... on a, uh, I was-
0: but Tyreek Hill yeah. makes, makes plays. Like, Tyreek Hill, and that was my argument. It's like we were coming off this game where the Chiefs had no Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins left after two snaps, and we were judging the Chiefs' offense for the first time, as as uh, Mike Taglier pointed out, the first time in the Patrick Mahomes era that they scored, well, since he became a starter, that they scored less than 26 points. And they what, did it again was, this week, was, and they scored twenty four. Yesterday,
4: then what was yesterday?
0: Yesterday they scored twenty four points. Second straight time, twenty four points. points. They scored twenty four points with twenty with twenty minutes of possession. So yeah, I see your concerns. If they can't stop the run, they can't get off the field, and that sucks. But I still have plenty of faith in them. Like I'm not He's, worried
3: about them. I'm just not. He's just not right. Right. A little he's hurt. not Healthy. Like that's, that's the thing is that you see a lot of these passes. He hasn't been nearly as, uh, he's completing, as accurate. He's, he's
4: completing 56% of his passes the last three
3: weeks. And over, and, and over the course of the season, last year he was 78 point, he was fifth in, in adjusted completion percentage, which basically takes out, uh, throwaways and, and hit as thrown and deflected passes at the line. He was fifth in the NFL last season at 78.7%. This season, he's 19th at 73.2. He just hasn't been the same guy. And you can see he's not stepping into a lot of these throws because he he can't quite push off on that ankle. And, and this is what I wrote about uh, in my winners and losers column on CBS Fantasy is that Patrick Mahomes has come back to the pack a little bit at quarterback, but also Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, and Lamar Jackson have caught him. And so you don't get – he. I think he's still – probably going to average 28 to 30 fantasy points per game for the rest of the season. I think he'll still be awesome. And that's baking in the regression that I expected. But he's not the edge that he was last year when only two quarterbacks averaged more than 26 no. fantasy points. and I never he's, thought he was.
4: But he's the opposite of the edge because you had to invest a first-round pick. Right. In right. And well, just, no,
0: well, no we didn't, though. I mean,
3: none but of if us. if you have did. him, you probably did. A first or, or a second. second, yeah. And look at yeah. look
4: at the schedule. Over the, this is the other point I was making. Look at the schedule over the next five weeks. Broncos, a team that's pass rush just to come alive the last two weeks, and a team that is effective at running the football. Packers, great pass rush can run the football. Vikings, great pass rush can run the football. Titans, pretty good pass rush will want to run the football. Chargers have pass rushers, may have Melvin Ingram back by then. Can possibly run the football we'll see (laughs) if those teams run the football and own time of possession against the Chiefs they're going to and and put pressure on Patrick Mahomes look he's going to get stats but like he's not playing that well right now he got leapfrogged by multiple people yesterday in the MVP
0: race and that's fine I just I I, I mean yeah look I didn't draft any Mahomes because I I just didn't think I said my point was that the Chiefs offense is
4: in I have concerns about it and red flags about it and then they went out and scored under twenty five points
0: again. They scored like, twenty four like, points. They had the, it's they under had the ball, but they had the ball. Staff. They had the ball for twenty minutes, and they scored twenty four points. So I think if their defense can play a little bit better, why I, would that defense get better? Because it's I because I think of, possessing the ball for twenty minutes is well, is very fluky. Like even though they're gonna be bad at time of possession, what? They, it's two weeks in a row where it's been extremely bad, and I'm just not willing to. I just think it's still an overreaction at this point. We have too much of of this it's, offense being the best. Like I think the Rams have much bigger issues than the Chiefs. Put it that way. The, they're fairly similar issues,
4: except the Chiefs' quarterback has an ankle injury. It's not. This is well, not. He's a lot better. A lot for better. sure. <laughs> for sure. For yeah. sure. For sure. But I mean, the offensive line is a problem. And yeah. the, it, look, I told you, Adam, that what happened in the Colts game is that the Colts ran the ball. I know. Yeah, you, I, I know. The, the Texans had six drives of 10 or more plays.
0: Yeah. I, I Do you think that's going to keep spooky. having... That's like, the, like, no, that's, listen. This is the blueprint for beating them. I understand, but I, I think that while they're going to struggle against the run, while they're going to struggle with time of possession, I just think that we've basically seen the extremes of that. And all that said, Tyreek Hill had a huge game. Damian Williams saved you with a touchdown. Patrick Mahomes is a top seven quarterback right now going into Monday night. Not amazing, but but they scored 24 points they weren't that bad they they're probably going to get better than this you know well,
4: they they're about to play a run of good defenses i if if we were doing this podcast in 4 weeks on monday and you were still saying this when i'm pointing out that they can't get to 30 points I'm going to have an intervention.
0: and it's also. I'll give you credit at that point, but I think right now I, I still hope so. I still think you're overreacting because I still think that well, first of all, they weren't that bad yesterday. What um, am I
3: missing here? They scored twenty four points. What, they well, six? okay. So, but here's here's my question: They averaged thirty five point three fantasy, thirty five point three points per game last season. This year, it's down to about twenty eight. Right. You would think they'll be closer to twenty-eight, right? Yeah, I, well, well, then, that's than thirty-five,
0: maybe. But they have had basically they've had one game with Tyree Hill, one and a half. It's a huge deal.
3: Sure, As but we saw. The, yeah, I, no, that's 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 a fair point. I don't have a response to that. But look, <laughs> either way, before you're, you're, the season, sure. you would have expected them to be closer to twenty-eight than thirty-five, right?
0: Uh, yeah, I, I would probably pick right in the middle or so, like thirty-one points.
3: So you're just lopping off ten touchdowns, basically.
0: Hey, look, their- I, I am not arguing that they were going to regress. Like, like I said, I did not draft Patrick Mahomes in any league. Let's not twist my argument. My argument was specific to last week when they had their worst game with Patrick Mahomes, and Will was very concerned, and I just wasn't. And I, to Listen. be honest with you, I think the result from week six against Houston was sort of in the middle. I don't know that either of us can claim victory yet. Uh,
4: okay, the first three weeks of the season, Patrick Mahomes completed 72% of his passes, averaged 398 passing yards per game, 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions, 134.9 quarterback ratings, uh, 10.5 yards per attempt. In the last three weeks since he suffered an injury and since the Lions gave us a blueprint for how to beat him, 56% completion, 303 yards per game. Four touchdowns, one interception, 89.3 quarterback rating. He's averaging 7.8 yards per attempt over the last three weeks. That is extremely concerning. When you look at time of possession, they had, 20, they had the ball for 26 minutes against Detroit, a team that decided to run the ball and eat up clock yeah. three weeks ago. Against the Colts, they had the ball for 22 minutes and 45 seconds. A team that decided to run the ball and eat up clock against a bad defense. This week, against the Texans, they had the ball for 20 minutes. I know, this I know. This is a pattern,
0: man. I know, but that's this. But what do you think they're gonna have the ball for seventeen minutes in week seven? Like, it just—it's unrealistic to be worse than twenty minutes. You it, almost it, never, ever, ever see that. Andy Reid has had twelve games since two thousand thirteen where he's had the
4: ball twenty five minutes or less with the Chiefs. He's two and ten in those games. They don't. They since 2013, can't. Two thousand thirteen. That's a huge. That that's that's less than two per year. Yeah, and two of them happened in the last
0: three weeks. I look. I understand things are bad right now, but you. <laughs> I'm okay, fine. It's I think it comes down to this. I'm willing to bet on Andy Reid and the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. That's it. I'm just I'm not as concerned about the other issues. I think that we've seen sort of the extremes of it. And Patrick Mahomes in weeks 5 and 4 and 5, he threw for 315 or more yards both games. Why is his passer rating so low? Cuz he had one touchdown in those two games. And then he got well, Tyreek Hill back and lo and behold,
3: he had three touchdowns last week. It, and it's also worth noting, he's at 7.8 yards per attempt from weeks 4 through 6, which is well, you did say that's concerning, and for him that is, but that's only because I think he was at 8.9 yards per attempt or something last season. Like 7.8 would still put you well uh, above average. Sure, sure. But, I mean, like for, for Superpower
4: Mahomes, the one other thing I would point out, and this is what I've been basing the whole Colts thing off of, is that late last year the the Baltimore Ravens showed us this blueprint originally. In a three-game stretch against the Ravens, Chargers, and Seahawks, the Chiefs went one and two with their one win and an overtime victory. Those three teams pounded the ball, kept the ball away from Patrick Mahomes, and put him in bad spots. He completed 64.5, 64.6% of his passes, under 300 passing yards per game, seven touchdowns, one interception, 7.03 yards per attempt. All I'm saying is that if these teams continue to run the ball against the Chiefs Mm -hmm. and minimize the number of possessions and the amount of time they have the ball, Mahomes is going to have to be perfect in order to get the points and get the production you want. And I don't think it's going to happen with an offensive line that's hemorrhaging bodies and a guy with a bad ankle.
0: And a defensive line that's hemorrhaging bodies for that matter. It's not like their run defense is going to get much better anytime soon. So I agree with your premise. I just think that they'll, they'll do better than any other offense I, I agree with your premise I just think that they're gonna be fine so if that so makes you sense. think I think it's a signal you think it's noise no I, I just think that the last two weeks have been kind of a worst case scenario and those have been, been
3: Gretch reference
0: oh okay all right <laughs> sorry I don't know him. I don't know him as well as you do at yards for Gretch all right that's will and Chris we're out of here I want to thank dr. Chow guys great stuff as always and we'll talk to you next Monday.